Welcome back to Cancer Perspective. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to continue our February celebration theme as it is Cancer Prevention Awareness Month. If you've been following along with Cancer Perspective, we've talked a lot about cancer prevention, risk reduction, and mentioned many different things. We're going to kind of group them all together again in here. And we'll continue to build on each of these themes throughout more episodes in the future as prevention and risk reduction are important parts of consideration in all cancers. While it is not always possible to prevent cancer, cancer prevention is thought of more about what we can do as a risk reduction within our lives. Most people have heard about cigarette smoking and tobacco use being linked to certain cancers. So are certain infections, radiation either from the sun or from environmental exposures, immunosuppressive medicines after organ transplants or other conditions. We've talked about how diet can play an important role. Alcohol can be a risk for some cancers. Lack of physical activity or obesity, diabetes, and other environmental risks such as work environments and inhalants that we may have to encounter. Anything that increases our risk of developing cancer is considered a risk factor. To decrease risk factors associated with cigarette smoking and tobacco use, it is recommended that we avoid cigarette smoking and tobacco use. That may sound very trite, but sometimes we are in an environment where family members smoke. And while secondhand smoking may not be as high as firsthand smoking, we want to make sure that we see it as a risk and try to avoid it. In our country, we've done a service to eliminate smoking in public areas to help reduce that risk. Now we have to think about inhalants or smoking or even vaping of non-tobacco ingredients. We don't know entirely all the risk factors, but if we can extrapolate or learn something from lung damage from inhalants, we don't necessarily know what kind of substances will stick to or irritate our lungs. And remember, when we talk about carcinogenesis or the cancer formation, irritants can damage cells that can then lead to cancer in the future. If they are not properly maintained by our body, infections from certain viruses or bacteria are known to cause cancer, such as the HPV virus or human papillomavirus causes risk for cancers in the cervix, penis, vagina, anus, and back of the throat or oral pharynx. Hepatitis B and hepatitis C viruses increase the risk for liver cancer. Epstein-Barr virus, or EBV, increases the risk for a specific lymphoma called Burkitt lymphoma. Heliobacter pylori, or H. pylori, increases the risk for gastric cancer. 
Currently, we have two vaccines that we use to help prevent cancer-causing viruses, the HPV vaccine and the hepatitis B virus. Some of us in the healthcare field are required to get the hepatitis B series. Others, it's just an option or recommended. The HPV that causes the genital and oral cancers is given in early ages. Therefore, we have to encourage parents and guardians to vaccinate children usually less than 18 years old. We have learned a lot about protecting ourselves from radiation in the sun by using sunscreen and avoiding the sun at certain times of the day. One really bad sunburn can damage the skin so much that it can cause or lead to cancer in the future. That's ultraviolet radiation from the sunlight, and it's the main cause of non-melanoma skin cancers. We have radon gas in homes, and we now have local ordinances that help monitor the risk of radon gas in our homes. There are radon detectors, and there are ways to decrease that from the environment. Medical radiation is something to consider, too. Tests that we use to diagnose cancers, such as the CT or CAT scans, some nuclear medicine scans, and x-rays, these tests too can lead to cancer. Treatment such as radiation for cancer can also lead to a different cancer in the future. We have an episode related specifically to obesity and activity. Obesity is linked to higher risk of breast, colorectal, endometrial, esophageal, kidney, and pancreatic cancers. We haven't quite as much discussed diabetes. There is some research to suggest that having diabetes could potentially increase the risk of having cancers such as bladder and breast, liver, some of the cancers related to digestion, and pancreatic. Type 2 diabetics are usually diagnosed at older ages, being obese, may have a history of smoking, not eating a regularly healthy diet, and not moving as well. So we don't know for sure what is the higher risk, but potentially both of them. And again, it goes back to hopefully learning to reduce our risks, managing our diet and exercise. There are some things that may be available to some people with higher risks of developing cancer to lower their risk, such as a drug that's used to treat cancer, such as breast cancer, and reduces estrogen within the system. For example, tamoxifen or raloxifene are drugs that are used to decrease the risk of estrogen-positive breast cancer. COX-2 inhibitors may also have a benefit in preventing colon and breast cancers. Things that have been studied and not been shown effective in preventing cancers are using aspirin, 
vitamins and minerals outside of the, the suggested recommended daily allowance. But cancer prevention is always being looked at and studied in clinical trials. On top of attempting to prevent cancers, we can try to find cancers early. There are several different screening possibilities for early detection of certain cancers. We will talk about these with each Cancer Awareness Month as they come up. For example, for early detection of breast cancer, it's recommended that starting at age 40, women get mammograms every year. When you reach 55, the most recent recommendation is that you could potentially switch to mammograms every two years or continue with yearly screening based on your risk factors and your health. Screening recommendations state that you should continue as long as a person with breast tissue is in good health and expected to live 10 more years or longer. In addition, it is recommended that you stay in a close relationship with a provider who does a clinical breast exam. For colorectal cancer, the recommendations are to start screening at 45, and that includes a colonoscopy. We do have the benefit now of a stool-based test that does not require a scope. The benefit of a colonoscopy is if a polyp or something identified as not quite normal can be removed exactly at that time or investigated further with a biopsy. Screenings for colorectal cancer are recommended until 85. For cervical cancer screening, it's recommended to start screening at age 25, and people between the ages of 25 and 65 should get a HPV test done every five years. People who have been vaccinated against HPV should still follow the screening recommendations for their age group. Lung cancer screening includes yearly lung screening for people who are at age 50 to 80 and currently smoke or have quit smoking in the past 15 years or have had a 20-pack year smoking. A pack year is the number of packs of cigarettes you smoked in one day multiplied by the number of years you smoked. So if a person has smoked a pack a day for 10 years, their pack year history is 10. If they smoke two packs a day, their pack year history is 20. In prostate cancer, Starting at age 50, testing includes a blood test called a PSA or prostate-specific antigen test with or without a rectal exam that physically examines the prostate. More information on the American Cancer Society guidelines for the early detection of cancer can be found on the cancer.org website. And as always, the National Cancer Institute, or cancer.gov, gives quite a bit of information as well. When we talk more about genetic risks for cancer, we will learn more about preventative surgeries. There is mastectomies for people who may have an extremely high risk of breast cancer, 
hysterectomies and ovary removals for endometrial and ovarian cancers and even cervical cancers. There's even stomach removal or colon removal for high-risk genetically linked cancers. We'll discuss those more in an episode dedicated to genetic-specific information. And as we know, not all cancers are preventable. Some people are even born with cancer, and not all cancers can be found on screening. It is important, as I've said before, to understand your own body, your own wellness, and advocate for your health. As we are providing an educational resource, you have found one of the best ways to arm yourself, education, knowledge, and curiosity. Thank you again for joining us. Take care and spread kindness.